Welcome to the podcast, Potables Network. You're listening to Power Bombs and Potables, brought to you by the Andrew Boss team at Berkshire Hathaway. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at PowerBombsPPN for pro wrestling news and talk. You can also follow us on Instagram and untapped at Process Potables. Check out our other shows on Twitter at Process Potables and at PucksPPN. Uh, well, the Sixers just got eliminated today, but the Flyers moving on to round number two. So keep uh, following those uh, for what happens. Of course, follow Process Potables to see what Dan and Steve are going to do to cope for the next several months while the Sixers probably try and rebuild this team. For news, info on breweries we've worked with, blog posts, and much more, make sure to check out www.processpotables.com. Well, in the span of the last, I don't know, 28 hours, we've seen AEW, we've seen NXT, and we've seen SummerSlam. There's so much to talk about on this week's Powerbombs and Potables. And welcome to this week's edition of Power Bombs and Potables, part of the Podcast Potables Network. My name is Corey Oates, and I'm here with you every single week. No matter how much crap <laughs> there is to watch, we're here to recap and tell you what happened. Uh, not much news this week, so we are not going to even do quick sips. However, uh, today, and this is a quick, really beer-related story, I was uh, cleaning out my fridge to prepare for a party. And I came across a box of beer around the world, which is nothing special to ring home about. But, you know, some of those beers I've never actually had. So we've been sampling them all night. And right now is no other. And despite the fact that I've had this one, we're going to crack it open and start drinking it during the pod. Because I'm going to do a lot of talking during this one. There we go. little uh, Labatt Blue action here for uh, my Sunday uh, post SummerSlam watch experience. Needless to say, I prefer the Labatt Blue Lime more, but, you know, what are you going to do? I don't really drink it too often, but when I go, <laughs> I don't always buy expensive beer at stadiums, but when I do, usually it's Labatt Blue Lime. We're going to jump right into what happened tonight. Tonight was SummerSlam. Uh, this past... Friday night was the debut of the WWE at the Amway Center in Orlando, where they uh, basically have set up residency uh, through, I believe, October 31st. They have the arena and now what is WWE's Thunderdome. And let me say this from uh, from the outside perspective, looking in. It really kind of brings you back to the normal feel of what you were used to with the production of WWE. You know, I realized that when you're watching the stuff in the Performance Center, they were doing what they could, but it just, it wasn't connecting. And there was a reason it wasn't connecting. It was because it was just, just hard to watch because it was almost low key. It was, it looked like it should have been an indie show with no crowd. So it wasn't even exciting. 
So that's why I feel a lot of people have turned away, and that's despite, you know, the, the, the bad booking and whatnot. But here was the first big event that took place. It was SummerSlam tonight, and we started off on the pre-show. Renee Young confirmed that tonight was her final night in the WWE, uh, which is good. That was part of the news this week uh, that, that came up, uh, that she had asked for her release and that she was going to be leaving the WWE, and she came on tonight and confirmed that tonight, SummerSlam's pre-show, was her final night. And I said this on our, our Twitter page, I do not believe that she's going to be leaving to go to AEW. She could end up in AEW at some point with a, with a role, why not? But I don't believe that her main reason for asking to leave WWE was to go there. Renee Young had a broadcasting background uh, in sports. She was also uh, the host of Right After Wrestling, which was a Raw recap show in Canada. So she's had a wrestling background uh, before it, but she's always been the aspiring television host. And it really came out when she did uh, WWE Backstage this past year. And I feel that she's really meant to end up on an ESPN-type uh, atmosphere as her main job going forward she now has the experience and the, and the reputation on screen now it's time for her to go and and blossom even more uh also on this we had one match which got moved this afternoon probably around five o'clock it was announced that apollo would apollo cruz would be defending the united states title against mvp uh, mvp was out here with brand new music i noticed uh honestly i did not pay attention to this match because i was eating dinner i thought it was going to happen earlier when i was trying to time everything out usually i feel they put it in the middle of the show this was right at the very end of the show they did this uh but apollo cruz retains the united states title and i guess he's going to now move on from uh this mvp feud in an interesting note i um was part of the busted open radio on sirius xm uh summerslam kickoff party this afternoon and apollo cruz was one of the guests and he said that the one thing that he really feels that WWE needs to do with him is turn him heel. He feels that he'll be able to do more with his character by being a heel. That's a very interesting take from somebody who's pretty much exclusively been a babyface. Would like to see what they actually do there. So now we're live. SummerSlam inside of the Thunderdome from the Amway Arena. The show starts off with Asuka in her first of two title matches tonight, taking on Bailey for the SmackDown Women's title. Asuka out here first. Bailey accompanied to the ring by her tag team champion partner and Raw uh, Women's Champion Sasha Banks. Uh, Bailey uh, hits a sunset bomb at this point. We're going to jump to the end of this match. She has a sunset bomb into the turnbuckles onto Asuka. Bailey goes to the top for a flying elbow, but Asuka catches her with an armbar on the way down. Uh, Asuka lets go um, the hold to uh, kick Sasha Banks into the barrier from off of the apron. Uh, once again, then uh, Asuka and Bailey brawl onto the floor. Asuka brings it back into the ring and then kicks Sasha away off uh, off of the apron once again. Bailey rolls Asuka for a two count and then Asuka kicks her in the uh, the stomach. At this point, Sasha Banks once again jumps on the apron, but this time she saves Bailey from getting the hip attack. At which point Bailey was able to roll up uh, Asuka for the win. So they're basically foreshadowing here. Later in the night, we're going to get uh, Sasha Banks. Uh, who who is now there for Bailey? Will Bailey be there for Sasha Banks uh, in their match for the Raw Women's Title later on in this show? So uh, we now move on to after this. There is a package for Retribution, letting you know what's been going on with Retribution. Kind of made you think that there was going to be an appearance on this show tonight. 
but there wasn't. This is the first show, Raw or SmackDown, in several weeks that you haven't had any bit of uh, the group Retribution. Uh, Kevin Owens is out here next wearing a Street Profits shirt and a red tie, you know, summer casual, uh, to be part of the Raw announced team here for the Raw Tag Team title match. It's Andrade, Angel Garza, with Zelina Vega taking on the current Raw Tag Team champions, the Street Profits. Now, I will say this. Personally, I feel that the Street Profits needed to lose the titles here. Uh, but that is not what happens. Uh, not to mention, we've seen this match so many times this year. Fine match, but nothing to call home about. Uh, Andrade does the stop in this match. The one that I've criticized here uh, with the guys in the uh, Tree of Woe. And usually, they uh, you know have to sit themselves up and hold themselves like a fucking idiot to take these uh, this double stomp off the top rope. But this time, Angel Garza was in there, and he held Montez Ford up to take this spot. Doing the move this way makes sense. Thank you for that. Uh, it's simple, but it makes sense and definitely is more of a tag team move than it is a singles move. Quick swig of beer. The finish came when Zelina was on the apron for no reason whatsoever. Angel Garza gets shoved into her, uh, which knocks her off the apron. He goes for the wing clipper onto Ford, but Ford flips out of it, who then reverses and tags Angelo Dawkins. At the same time, uh, Angel Garza reverses to then tag Andrade, but... Andrade is not there because Andrade is uh, checking on Zelina Vega. At this point, that leaves Garza uh, just dead to uh, get laid out. Montez Ford had a very uh, impressive frog splash where he basically reversed uh, onto Angel Garza for the win. And the Street Profits retain the tag team titles. Backstage, uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks, uh, they're asked that exactly what we said earlier. Sasha Banks was there for Bailey. Will Bailey be there for Sasha Banks? And then Bailey says that usually she would let that bother her, but tonight she's not going to let it bother her. They then go to Sasha Banks, who says that if Bailey can beat Asuka, then she definitely can beat Asuka, which gets a look from, from Bailey at this point. Bailey then says that when Sasha wins tonight, it will be a clean sweep and sweeps the ring. I guess she is now the cleaner of the WWE. You know, nobody else is the cleaner in professional wrestling right now, so it might as well be Bailey. Up next is a what was originally slated to be a hair versus hair match uh, this week due to some uh, personal issues that happened. Uh, we talked about it last week uh, where there was an invader in Sonya Deville's house. They changed this from a hair versus hair match on Friday Night SmackDown to now a no disqualification match and... A loser leaves the WWE match. So very interesting here that they changed that. Uh, but this match uh, was an equal amount in and out of the ring, as you'd expect. Sonya's, uh, you know, she's got the MMA background, the real fight background. Mandy Rose, not so much. She's still pretty green, but, you know, she's getting better with time. Uh, I feel that she had more of an edge as a heel, and she's still really trying to find her feet as a babyface. But... I look at Mandy as she has the potential to be another Trish Stratus. Beautiful blonde girl who uh, was very green. Trish was green at one time and then eventually clicked. I think they have that uh, stock set for Mandy at this time. Obviously, time will tell. And repetition is how you get better right now. You know, there's not much repetition except for TV. And house shows are really where you learn a lot of the stuff. So we'll see how Mandy blossoms once uh, things get better. Uh, and back to normal in the world. 
Uh, Sonya got a standing dragon sleeper that she eventually fell back and locked on. I thought the standing dragon was a cool thing. It's not a movie you see too often. Uh, it used to be a staple of the Ultimo Dragon back in, uh, obviously, the 90s and the 2000s, uh, but not something you see too often anymore. Uh, eventually, Mandy breaks that sleeper hold that was locked in. They fight to the outside. Mandy slams DeVille's face into the announce table several times. She then puts Sonya, uh, um, she being Mandy, uh, put Sonya's uh, on a table that she had set up at ringside, but Sonya rolls off. At this point, uh, Mandy goes under the ring, grabs a chair, and slides this chair like a million miles an hour straight down the, the table at Sonya. It was almost like the, the, the idea of when you see the drink sliding from one end of the bar to the other and normally somebody catches it. In this case, it would have been the chair that caught Sonya's face, but... It didn't connect, so it was a cool-looking spot, but I kind of felt it would have had more impact if it connected, even if it was, like, to her stomach or something. Uh, eventually, they fight back in the ring. Mandy goes for a face buster, but Sonya reverses and goes for the face buster of her own, which Mandy lands on her feet from this move. Mandy hits a couple of knee strikes with a face buster of her own and then had a running knee strike to pin Sonya Deville. For the three count afterwards, Otis comes out and the two celebrate. Uh, you can imagine this is obviously because Sonya's got to go handle the personal stuff. This has already gone to court very quickly, uh, so she's got some legal stuff to take care of. I assume that this hair versus hair match was because Sonya wants to cut her hair, which is smart. Um, so I guess she'll go off, she'll cut her hair, do everything that she was going to have done, maybe even change up her look a little bit, uh, and then she'll eventually come back like they always do. There's no such thing as somebody leaves and never comes back. That's just really how it is. Up next, the street fight. The street fight. Easy enough for me to say. Seth Rollins versus Dominic Mysterio. Rollins is out here in Rey Mysterio 1997. Halloween Havoc inspired gear. Really cool looking stuff here. Murphy is in the corner of Rollins while Ray is in Dominic's corner while his mother watches from Gorilla. There's so much to this match. I really had to readers digest this for everybody. Dominic showed a lot of his uh, familiar familiarity. He has with the ring so far. Obviously, this isn't um, somebody that's stepping in the ring for the first time, but this is his first match in the WWE. It's a good sign if you ask me, uh, but he's obviously dealing with having to fill the shoes of Rey Mysterio, which is difficult in amongst itself. You have to think about it this way. Dominic, I believe, is 21 years old. Rey Mysterio was wrestling professionally, I think, at like 14 or 15. He was wrestling in the United States for ECW, I believe at 18 or 19. And what really set uh, Ray apart from everybody else was not only the fact that he was small, but he was so fast and innovative and he was lightning quick. And Dominic doesn't show any of that. <laughs> Dominic, he, he shows that he, he gets the fundamentals of wrestling, that he can do some stuff. He doesn't have the speed like Ray. He's bigger than Ray. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, eventually Dominic uh, grows into a professional wrestler. Now, rolling into this match here, uh, early on, Seth Rollins asks uh, for a Singapore cane from Murphy, but Dominic gets his hands on it and unloads on Rollins. Cool stuff there. Uh, right away, we're, we're getting uh, the revenge, and Rollins was showing the welts very quickly in this match. These two worked well together. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, Ray's wife was in the back, but eventually, and this is me cutting really quick because there's so much on this. <sighs> the one thing I will say about this match before I even get to the finish is that it had a lot of, it was fun to watch because it was new in a sense of a matchup. You're finally seeing Rey Mysterio's kid. You're going to see, hey, what does this kid have to offer? I like it. But 
I feel that this match went on way too long without having the clock in front of me. I would say that this match probably went somewhere between 22 and 25 minutes, uh, which I think might have been the the longest match on this entire card. But these two, I feel that had had there not have been this giant buildup and it been a major pay-per-view like SummerSlam, they, they might have been able to uh, do more. Eventually, uh, Mysterio's wife comes out onto the stage. Ray meets her up at the stage and tells her that he gave Dominic his word that he would not get involved uh, as Dominic had asked him not to. Very babyface right there. Uh, at this point, while that's happening and Ray's back is to it, Murphy comes in, gets involved, and goes to take Dominic's eye onto the step. Uh, but Ray turns around, comes back, and cuts Murphy off, which then Rollins attacks him from behind. They then handcuff Ray Mysterio to the middle rope. Dominic eventually gets Rollins back in the ring, hits a 619. He then goes to the top for a frog splash, but Rollins got his knees up. Uh, Rollins at this point then drags Dominic away from Ray and his side of the ring. Uh, Ray has now gotten himself into the ring. He's still obviously handcuffed to the ring. Uh, Rollins eventually uh, beats on on Dominic, who's now very welted as well. So Rollins and, uh, and Dominic with the Singapore cane shots throughout this match. He eventually taunts Rey Mysterio as he's beating up Dominic here. Eventually, he hits the big stomp in the middle of the ring for the win while Rey Mysterio is reaching for his son. Very emotional moment. Uh, After this, Rollins takes out the key, drops it onto Dominic, who then has to crawl over after the match and give the key to his own dad to unlock himself. Uh, Very cool idea. Again, like I said, this match, I feel, went too long. I feel they tried to give you everything that they possibly had, which they didn't necessarily have to do. Remember, we have another pay-per-view next week, which I'm assuming next week we'll get Dominic and Ray versus Seth and Murphy. That seems like it makes sense to me. Uh, Again, yes, next Sunday, there is another WWE pay-per-view called Payback, and Payback's going to be a bitch when I eventually find time to watch that. Quick swig of beer. Up next, Sasha, uh, Sasha Banks will defend the Raw Women's title against Asuka and Asuka's second title opportunity tonight. Banks immediately went to the knee of Asuka, which they had worked over earlier in the match against Bailey. Uh, Asuka went for a hip attack uh, and then a kick to the back of Sasha. Eventually, uh, Asuka went for several quick pin attempts and submissions throughout this match. Uh, Banks hit a sunset flip off the apron onto the floor onto Asuka. Uh, Sasha hit her with a big boot for a near fall inside of the ring. Asuka hit a face buster before sending uh, Banks to the floor and into the barricade. Uh, these two back in the ring. Asuka went to the top rope and hit a missile drop kick for a near fall. Uh, Asuka caught Banks and applied the Asuka lock. Eventually, uh, Sasha was able to get to the rope. At this point, Banks was able to roll that into the bank statement. Asuka managed to get out of this. Now... At this point, Bailey gets up on. We get the same exact scenario. Bailey's up on the apron. Asuka goes for the hip attack, but knows what's coming. She gets in there and she knocks Bailey off the ring, which then she is able to lock the Asuka lock back onto Banks. And here was what I loved. You hear Sasha, who's basically screaming out for Bailey. She she wants the help and she's she's screaming for Bailey. 
and Bailey's nowhere to be found. They make sure they show her on the ground after she took that hit. And Sasha eventually has to tap out. Your new Raw Women's Champion is Asuka. I am not a fan of the fact that they have now started to make the the wheels really turn. Uh, I know on SmackDown they even brought up between uh, Sasha and Bailey. You know, is everything okay with them? I still feel it. Like I said, it's way too early. This is a feud that you need to culminate at WrestleMania. And at this point, once you take these belts off of them, the only thing left for them is to face each other. So unless they're going to somehow find a way to once again put the belt back on Sasha, I don't know. Again, there's a pay-per-view next Sunday. So perhaps Sasha will once again get an opportunity to reclaim the Raw Women's title and have all be well in that camp for another couple of months. It's just, you see where this needs to go, and you want it to be fulfilled. We've waited all this time. Just make sure that the right thing happens, in my opinion, of what the right thing should be. Uh, Let me finish this beer real quick. What a... uh, what an interesting show this was here. Drew McIntyre uh, versus Randy Orton up next for the WWE title. Now, on Raw this past Monday night, after last week, when Randy Orton took out uh, Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels made the announcement that he was going to be on Raw this week. We talked about it last week. Shawn Michaels eventually takes the punt from Randy Orton, but within... A minute, he rolls over and he's conscious. And this got a lot of heat from current alive wrestlers on Twitter to a lot of fans feeling that Shawn Michaels no-selling this punt really was bullshit, essentially, to Randy Orton. Now, I agree with that if it wasn't for the fact that they needed... The way that they booked this was Drew McIntyre comes out, runs off Orton. He checks on Sean. Then when he's not paying attention, Orton slides back in the ring and hits him with the RKO. If it wasn't for the fact that they were booking it this way, I think it made more sense that Sean was up and okay and in the corner because then completely he would not had the the attention at all or the wherewithal that Orton had came back. Makes sense. Still thought it, it wasn't the best idea to have done that, but it is what it is. Here we go. Drew McIntyre won the title five months ago at WrestleMania. However, this in the Thunderdome is the biggest crowd that he's been in front of since then, and I believe it really made a difference for helping Drew McIntyre out with this title reign. Drew put a, got a figure four on Orton. But Orton, uh, while in the hole, distracted the ref and was able to eye-rake Drew and get some color from that. Drew hit a series of belly-to-belly suplexes, followed by a top rope clothesline onto Orton. Uh, McIntyre put Orton up in a top rope, uh, on the top rope, and hit a series of chops before he sent uh, Orton flying off the top rope. At this point, McIntyre connected with a DDT for a near fall. Orton was slightly bleeding uh, from this at the... uh, as well. So now they're both naturally busted open. There's no no blade in here. You can definitely tell that they're they were digging into each other, which is good. Uh Drew missed a clothesline and Orton hit a scoop slam for a near fall. 
Uh, at this point, Orton went to the second rope uh, for a DDT, but McIntyre caught him with, uh, well, he did the, the, the draping DDT on the second rope, uh, but McIntyre caught him with a kick and then clotheslined him out of the ring. Uh, Orton uh, then caught him with a kick and then connects with the DDT off the second rope. McIntyre uh, hits a powerbomb uh, after go, uh, Orton went for the punt. He caught him on, in the run there. Drew then went for the big boot, and Orton blocked it, went for an RKO, and McIntyre rolled him up for the win. <sighs> the win was good for uh, Drew. It says to me that this isn't over. We'll get maybe another match at payback uh, between these two. I didn't like how many roll-ups. Another roll-up on this pay-per-view, uh, as well as it seemed as if almost every match, well, not every match, but I would say three-quarters of the matches on this show, there was either a splash off the top rope or a frog splash. Way too much overkill for a match that for a show that only had, I believe, eight matches. Uh, after this, we get a video showing that Keith Lee is going to debut on Raw tonight, uh, Monday night. I'm sure this is when you're going to be listening to it, if you do. If not, this past Monday night, whenever you get around to listening to it. Uh, but I assumed that, and we'll talk about NXT 30 after this, uh, that Keith Lee was going to lose the title to Karrion Cross, and he was going to jump right to the main roster. I can only imagine what's going to happen when Vince realizes that he cannot cut a promo to save his life. Swig a beer. Main event on the show is Braun Strowman defending the Universal title against The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. This match was not a classic by any means. Uh, the Fiend has the absolute longest entrance in the history of entrances. You can take every Undertaker entrance and you can throw it aside because this one... Definitely takes the cake. These two brought outside. They did a spear through the barricade. My God, they must have missed doing the spear through the barricade. When was the last time you saw one of those? Probably the last uh, TV show that they had before uh, they went into the Performance Center. Uh, this uh, this match went back into the gorilla position, back into the ring. Uh, Braun ends up getting a box cutter out from underneath the ring. And as opposed to every other time that they've done this, Instead of cutting the ropes and peeling back the ring, he straight up just cuts the canvas, cuts the padding, rips it back, and exposes the boards underneath. Uh, Bray, while he's doing this, comes up from behind him. He yells, why won't you die? And all I could think of was Austin Powers. And uh, hits Sister Abigail twice onto Strowman on the boards and pins Braun to become the Universal Champion. As soon as... As the Fiend gets to his feet, he is immediately speared by Roman Reigns, who's looking very jacked and uh, freshly veneered, if you will, uh, who is out. And the first thing I think to myself is, well, great. I figured if they were going to bring him back, they'd at least bring him back as a heel. And now he's taking out the Fiend, who he then notices Bray Wyatt. I mean, Braun Strowman is outside of the ring. He then runs out of the ring around and spears Braun Strowman and yells at him and says, you ain't a monster unless I'm here and says that he is the only, the only reason he is a monster is because of Roman Reigns. My God, we're shooting from the hip now, but I like it. I like it. I'm still not sure how I feel about it. Back in the ring, he then once again spears Bray Wyatt. 
He takes the WWE Universal title, holds it above his head as we fade to black on this pay-per-view. Something says to me that next week at Payback, we're going to get back to the original plans of WrestleMania. Roman Reigns will defeat The Fiend and will become the Universal Champion at Payback next week. Mark my words, that is what we are looking for next Sunday. All in all, this show, I'll give it a, you know, the 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 the, the matches weren't bad. This show, if we're going to go thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, it's definitely a thumbs in the middle looking up. But again, just like everything else, 20 years, you know, 15 years ago was SummerSlam 2005. And tonight we saw Dominic Mysterio in the ring having his first match. Where 15 years ago at SummerSlam, his dad and Eddie Guerrero were doing a custody ladder match for Dominic. But 15 years later, we're still talking about that. 15 years from now, I don't know if we're going to talk about anything from this pay-per-view. Except maybe if Dominic really finds his groove and we talk about his first ever match. So on to Saturday night, we'll talk about both shows that happened Saturday night. But first, we'll talk about the one that happened from Full Sail University. Is NXT TakeOver 30. Now, for the first time that I can recall, and I've been to a couple of TakeOvers... They usually film a couple of matches before the takeovers that air on NXT TV that week, but that's when they used to tape it prior to them going live. But I've still never seen a takeover that had a match in the pre-show. This one had a pre-show match. I didn't even know it happened. Uh, I saw about I saw it after it was Brazongo versus Legado de Fantasma versus Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch for the right to take on uh, Imperium for the NXT Tag Team Titles. In the end, uh, Brizango ends up winning. Tyler Breeze hit the supermodel kick. We move on. So this match has five matches. That's one thing I love about NXT. Well, they'll get you know two and a half, three hours for a pay per view, but we never have more than five matches. Maybe once we've had six, but usually it's four or five matches, and they all get time uh, with a nice built up story. We open this with a match that was literally just announced this week. It is Finn Balor versus Timothy Thatcher. Definite clash of styles between the two. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of Timothy Thatcher. I'm still trying to figure out what they're doing with Finn Balor. I really feel that he has kind of really fallen off these last three or four years. He you know he was really in his niche when he was in NXT. When that when NXT's peak was 2000. 14, 15, 16. And since then, NXT has kind of fallen off and, and he's been back here and it just, it's just everything he does. At first, he turned heel when he returned and then he was gone for a while and it just, it's been a lot of start and stop for the Prince here, if you will. Uh, in the end of this, uh, Finn Balor wins with a coup de grace followed by the 1916 DDT for the win on Timothy Thatcher. I honestly thought that Timothy Thatcher was going to submit Finn Balor or tap him out. I mean, tap him out or make him pass out uh, due to submission. I I didn't see them doing this, but that's, uh, I guess, the way that they, they, they felt that it needed to be. I don't see how it helps uh, Thatcher at all, the only thing that makes sense to me is that Finn Balor is now going to be gunning for the NXT Championship. We'll see how that works out. 
Up next, the North American Championship was decided in a ladder match. It is the Thick Boy Bronson Reed taking on the Velveteen Dream versus Johnny Gargano versus Damian Priest versus Cameron Grimes. And this was the um, quintessential ladder match that you'd expect it to be, but there was a lot less crash and burn spots, which I appreciated. You don't always need to have the crash and burn in the ladder matches. Uh, you know, real quick to the end here, I'll say this. Bronson Reed, this guy, bravo. He's doing great stuff every week. He's out here tonight. Um, Bam Bam Bigelow inspired gear. Bam Bam, of course, one of the top five, in my opinion, big men of all time in professional wrestling. And here... We get the surprise win, and I, what I really dug was the finish of this. We'll go back to the finish of this. The Velveteen Dream is on the top of a ladder, looking like he's going to go for the elbow off the top of a ladder. When he throws his arms into the air, he realizes that he hits the North American title, and then it's right there, at which point he turns around to now go for the title. So many times... You see where wrestlers are at the top, and instead of going for whatever it is, they jump off of it, which is fucking stupid. This guy, while he went up there and was initially going to jump off of it, he uh, was able to save face as a heel, realizes that it's up there, and says, fuck this, I'm going to take the belt. Eventually, it doesn't necessarily work out for him. Johnny Gargano almost gets the, his hands on the title, but eventually Damian Priest climbs up the other side, knocks him off, and wins the title. Very shocking to me. The Damian Priest wins the belt here, but it it makes sense. Damian Priest obviously had a great run as Punishment Martinez in uh, Ring of Honor for several years, and uh, he's a product of the Monster Factory right here, local South Jersey wrestling school uh, taught by. Um, I know a lot of the help is the Blue Meanie, but uh, I'm trying to think of who the the main guy is that that runs the Monster Factory, and it, it Larry Sharp, Larry Sharp's Monster Factory, and uh, he's here. And that is uh, him and Matt Riddle were both trained at the Monster Factory here in South Jersey. Now, Damian Priest is probably your tallest guy on the roster. He's one of, well, besides Karrion Cross. Karrion Cross is, you know, he's he would have fit in the 1980s, Karrion Cross, uh, with his size. But so would Damian Priest. Damian Priest, uh, around 250, probably about 6'4. And this guy is now that he is your North American champion. He is spent so much time since being in NXT feuding with Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic and Cameron Grimes that now he's a champion and has literally an entire roster that he can work with. I'm looking forward to see what they're doing going forward with Damian Priest now as your North American champion. Up next, the match that a lot of people were either going to shit on or not shit on, it is Adam Cole taking on Pat McAfee. This match was, uh, I think it really exceeded a lot of expectations. It was um, McAfee's first official wrestling match, but you can tell that he's pretty comfortable in a wrestling ring, which is interesting to say. Uh, quick swig of beer here. Neither guy had anybody at ringside, and you know, usually in these types of matches... There's always some form of stipulation uh, to uh, to cover up for the you know the weaknesses or the lack thereof and uh, knowledge and the ring presence of whatever celebrity or or newcomer to to wrestling. This was just a one on one match, and Adam Cole 
made Pat McAfee look great. But hey, I'm not taking anything away from Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee was doing all sorts of crazy stuff here. He did a backflip off of the top rope and then jumped up literally from the mat to the top rope, Kurt Angle style. Kurt Angle would basically uh, run up the, the, the ropes. Pat McAfee did a straight jump up there and... Bravo. If there's one match to make sure you go and watch from this, it is this match right here. Uh, in the end, Adam Cole hit the Panama Sunrise uh, onto McAfee and got the three count. Another thing that I was quite happy about was that the wrestler got the win here and not the uh, the NFL player, which is typical WWE to just get the uh, the ESPN moments and stuff like that. Nope. He had a great match, and I feel that his, the highlights uh, do enough justice for him there, that he didn't need the um, the the win here. Io Shirai, Dakota Kai, match was okay. Uh, I really wasn't big on the idea of this either, and while I was watching this, we were watching it together, me and Dan, and the one thing that I said to him is that there's nobody left really for Io to face except for Rhea, unless you're ready to put the belt back on her. But it already seems like she's in the middle of a feud with Mercedes Martinez. After this match, uh, once uh, Io Shirai wins with the, uh, I believe, the Moonsault, uh, Raquel Gonzalez comes out and attacks Io Shirai. This brings out Rhea Ripley to make the save. And they do several spots where Io is... Basically celebrating to the camera with her back to the entrance and Rhea stands behind her almost like creeping on her like a like a like a spirit like you'd see in a movie inside the ring. Then she gets out of the ring and then she's back up on the apron. I mean on the apron on the the entrance way and then there's another shot of it. I liked how it was shot because you know that obviously Rhea now has her sights on the title but she's going to have to get through Mercedes Martinez first whenever we get to that match here. So the 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 main event on this, Karrion Cross going for the NXT title against Keith Lee, who is your NXT champion. Uh this match, as you'd imagine, was very hard hitting. Uh Cross had to do a lot of selling, as did Keith Lee. Uh Karrion Cross, we know that this guy's got a lot of power here. Um uh, and we'll just get into some of the the, the highlights of this. Um Obviously, he goes for the, the Saito suplex onto uh, Keith Lee, and Lee kicks out of it. Eventually, uh, Lee hits the spirit bomb for a two count, and then they get back onto the top rope. They're fighting there, and Carrying um, Cross hits the Saito suplex once again off of the top rope to win the NXT title from. Keith Lee. Now, while some people were mad online that Keith Lee was like the shortest reigned NXT champion or the second shortest reigned, you have to think about what they did for this guy. Keith Lee, in the year, year and a half that he's been here, was pinned, I think, twice, maybe. And he was super protected. He was the North American champion. He never lost the belt. He was the NXT champion. He might have been the second NXT uh, champion that was African American, but still an impressive feat. 
He was the first NXT champion that held two titles at once. And he's the one who you can tell that they were making a star of. Remember the Survivor Series last year? Remember how everybody wanted him in the Rumble against Brock Lesnar? Well, guess what? Now they're going to get their wish because Keith Lee is going to be coming right up to the main roster as we expected tomorrow night or tonight on Monday Night Raw. Karrion Cross, on the other hand, is in the situation where being that he's only had a feud with Tommaso Ciampa where he ran over him, you can always go back to that, Keith Lee is now gone. You have Karrion Cross as your new champion who's only been here for a matter of two and a half months. He literally has the entire roster to work with here, and eventually you can do a giant build until somebody finally takes the belt off of him. The unfortunate thing for Karrion Cross, though, is that after the pay-per-view, um, during, during the post-event conference with the media, Triple H was asked by Fightful's Sean Ross Sapp about the arm injury that Karrion Cross was selling during the entire match and whether it was legit. Triple H then confirmed that uh, he said it was just good selling, but it looks like Cross may have suffered a separated separated shoulder, and he was going to get an MRI to find out for sure. Um, he said that the medical team was comfortable with Cross finishing the match due to the uh, injury suffered, so they let it continue. He said that he's a tough man uh, to go through that with Keith Lee, who's a big boy, when your shoulder is separated like that. It's not easy, and it's it's painful. So... Who knows what's going to happen right now with Karrion Cross? He might have to be out for a little bit, which is going to kill him um, as being the um, the champion. I don't believe that NXT has another uh, pay-per-view until War Games, which is usually what they do is the War Games thing. For what it's worth, can we skip War Games this year? Because for War Games, you really need the crowd and the story, and it's just it's not going to do anyone any favors to have this match taking place inside of an empty thing of an empty arena essentially with with fans on screens it's just not going to do the justice not to mention war games when it was first done was used as a tour in the in the 80s dusty roads created it as a way to say hey we're going to do this double cage match and we're going to throw it in stadiums all around the country i think it was like 40 days straight they went through baseball stadiums all throughout the country and that was the original idea of War Games. NXT bringing War Games back was a cool homage to it, but it's just like the Hell in a Cell. When you do it and it is literally on the calendar that this is going to be War Games, what's really the special point of it? You know, and, and that's why I feel, especially this year, just skip it. Because then when you come back to it next year, it'll maybe be special again. Because you will have had two years in between both of them. Just uh, just a little food for thought on uh, on that one. So all in all, uh, NXT pay-per-view. I feel that the NXT pay-per-view was the better show of the two. Of the WWE ones this weekend. But when has that ever not been the case when that happens? Again, less is always more, in my opinion, when it comes to that. By the way, uh, continuing with the beers from around the world that I'm drinking. Currently, I'm drinking a Sing Tao. It's actually for something that's that you know more or less a heavy heavily distributed beer. I actually kind of enjoy this. Very nice and refreshing for the fact that it is 11:40 when we are tracking this pay per view. I'm a normal guy too, and uh, I do have to be up in uh, just a couple of hours to uh, 
to work and and deal with with normal stuff. So bear with me as I continue to uh, to drink this nectar. So AEW Dynamite this week aired on Saturday night. Obviously TNT with the ongoing playoffs for the NBA had to move Dynamite uh, this past week as well as this coming week. Now this coming week I will say AEW will air Thursday night. And it is going to be featuring a sold-out 10% audience crowd uh, at Daly's Place. Which, I mean, some people were hating on, but it's like we talked about last week. They were practicing the safe measures. They sold tickets in either groups and had them planned out. And they showed there was the graphs online of where the tickets were available. Everything was well-spaced out. But being that the they're outside and they can have the capacity they they can, why not? Why not bring some people back in here? Why not charge them for it? They were charging thirty five dollars a ticket. Why not make a couple of bucks while you're doing it? So uh, that's going to happen this Thursday night. As for this past week, it aired Saturday night. It was supposed to air at six o'clock, or when the um, the NBA game that was currently on was over between the Miami Heat and uh, I want to say the Pacers. Either way, that game did not get off the air until 630, which I know was definitely not the way that AEW wanted it, being that NXT started at 7 o'clock. The pre-show started, I believe, at 630. Uh, So... This uh, this show started off, and they knew what they were up for. They they filmed it uh, last week. We come on the air already in the ring is FTR, and FTR is in there with Private Party now. FTR accompanied to the ring by Tully Blanchard. They are in the classic Brainbuster style jackets that are now for FTR. FTR full on heel with Tully as their new uh, manager here. They run through Private Party in in what was a very good match to kick off this TV show. In the end, they uh, Dex Harwood and Wheeler hit the Goodnight Express onto Mark Quinn uh, for the win. Uh, very very happy with that they're doing that, and uh, there's more on the the bones there because it has been decided that there's going to be a match. I believe this week uh, it's going to be a gauntlet match. For the number one contenders for the uh, world tag team titles. Going into this now, FTR is your number one contender for the titles. And they're set to face Kenny Omega and Hangman Page for them in two weeks at All Out. Uh, Up next was the Jurassic Express and the Natural Nightmares. QT Marshall, Dustin Rhodes versus The Butcher, The Blade, and the Lucha Brothers. This match was the trademark you'd imagine it being. What the real cool point was after when uh, Jungle Boy rolled up the blade for the win, uh, Lucha Brothers, Butcher, and Blade were arguing. Eddie Kingston comes out, and he asks why neither team aren't champions right now. He says, come with me and everything we want will be ours. Kingston gave the camera a wink as all five of them embraced. Now, 
What's interesting about this to me is that Eddie Kingston, I talked about it before. Eddie Kingston was brought onto my radar when he was in Impact and he was the manager of the of Santana and Ortiz, who back then was uh well he wasn't with he was originally with them. He then separated and went back to the original version of what they were calling LAX, the Latin American Exchange, uh, who was Hernandez and Homicide. They had a couple of matches here. But then when he debuts for AEW, you know, he's wrestling. And they talk about how he's a 16-year veteran. And now it seems like they almost kind of have him in a manager role again, which is strange to me. But whatever, you know, we'll see more as that that progressive uh, progresses, but I, I didn't uh, like it. Up next, there is a uh, we have a series of interviews. Before we go to commercial, when we come back, we go to the commercial with the John Moxley promo uh, on MJF. We come back with MJF, <laughs> MJF with his whole cabinet. MJF sporting a neck brace from the paradigm shift. He's got a walker, and he is now being represented. By the greatest attorney on the face of the earth, Smart Mark Sterling. Yes, Smart Mark Sterling, host of the uh, great beer and wrestling podcast as well. That one is called Off the Hop Rope, where they break down the hops and the pops. They usually, they'll pick a match, they'll pick a beer. It's a good time. He is also the producer for the former Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins wrestling figure podcast so smart mark sterling is uh finally getting himself involved and he's a good talker and uh, the one thing that a lot of people probably won't know the real connection is is mjf like we talked about before was trained by brian myers and by pat buck at the creative pro wrestling academy in new york who also is from there is you guessed it smart mark sterling so there's the connection right there from uh, that wrestling academy. And Mark Sterling is a very... Uh, he's high up there in regards to uh, being the tenured workers. And I think that this is sim- simply MJF, you know, getting a payday and some TV time and more exposure for his buddy, which is awesome. Uh, so we'll see more on that in these last two weeks as we build up to um, the match at All Out. It seems like they're going to try and ban the paradigm shift, I guess, for that match. So uh, that's how we're going to go there. Orange Cassidy's out here for what's supposed to be his first ever in-ring interview. It ends up being interrupted by Chris Jericho, who has now announced that at All Out will be the rubber match between these two. And it's going to be a Mimosa Mayhem match. Yep. The only way to win is to throw your opponent into an 80-gallon vat of orange juice and a little bit of the bubbly. Yeah. The best part was how Jericho led up to this part of the promo, stating that he's had so many great ideas, including a match where six guys are in a ring and they climb up and grab a briefcase down for a shot at a title. And then he follows it up by the fact that he has another great idea, and this is his idea. Now... The only thing that I will say is that Jericho and Cassidy find ways to not only be entertaining 
But Jericho finds ways that if he's going to do something that's like over the top and just ridiculous, he makes it as over the top and ridiculous as humanly possible. So, okay, whatever. You know, obviously we're going to talk all out when that happens, uh, probably on a long Saturday night at uh, the Podcast Palace with Dan in just a couple of weeks, Labor Day weekend. Uh, we had, what was it? I believe uh, four, five, and six or whatever. It was uh, three members of the Dark Order under the hoods against the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. In the end, uh, there was uh, the Bucks hit the Melter Driver. Omega hit the One-Winged Angel after the match. Once again, Kenny snapped and went to uh, powerbomb Allen Angels on it. And then they once again tried to cool off Kenny Omega, who's screaming for a heel turn. <sighs> Darby Allen was out here. I, I don't even want to talk about this. This was, this was bad. This was just bad. This was a spot where he ends up getting jumped later by Ricky Starks, who's dressed as Darby Allen and, and Brian Cage. Who we haven't seen in a couple of uh, weeks on TV. He's now back here. I don't know the 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 ro- the bloom is off the rose, if you will, for Darby Allen. Uh, for me, the tag team cup tournament finals were on this match. It was the Nightmare Sisters, Allie and Brandy Rhodes against E of Evelise and Diamante. Pretty sloppy match, as you'd imagine, because uh, Brandy Rhodes is involved with it. Uh, in the end, uh, Diamante hit a tornado suplex onto Allie. And uh, she, well, she reversed said uh, suplex. She gets the hot tag to Ivelisse. And then uh, QT Marshall went, got on the rope for a distraction, but Ivelisse uh, knocked Brandy Rhodes into him at that point. Ivelisse rolled up Alley for the win. So now there's going to be dissension, I'm sure, within Allie and Brandy, which is what we've been building up the whole time. They came into this match 6-0. Now they're 6-1. I'm sure there's going to be a, a, a match that happens coming out of this really quick. Alrighty then. The last thing to talk about on this particular episode of Dynamite was the TNT title. It was Cody defending against Mr. Brody Lee. And this match was real-life Rocky three, Rocky versus Clubber Lang one. Cody comes out. Another thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quick say, Cody's being dubbed as the Prince of Pro Wrestling and the American Nightmare and the TNT champion. Are you guys really getting the heel, Cody Rhodes? The way this match ends, he doesn't seem like a like a heel. But we're just getting this smug, too many names, and, and you know it's for heat. But Cody comes out fighting, firing away in the corner on Brody Lee. And eventually, Brody Lee just turns the tide. He he hits a powerbomb. He hits another clothesline. He hits a uh well, he hits a second powerbomb and then the discus clothesline and pins Cody. This match was very quick. I want to say it was under five minutes, and Cody was left laying. They bring out the stretcher. They put Cody on the stretcher. They hook him up to oxygen. They're wheeling him out. And finally, the Dark Order surrounds 
them as they're trying to take him out. Arn Anderson tries to save him from this. He basically turns his back to the to the stretcher as they're trying to get him through the tunnel. Arn gets a couple of shots in on Dark Order members, but then eventually they take out Arn Anderson. They wheel Cody back out. They dump him off of the stretcher, continue to beat down. They 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 hit him. Uh or maybe they hit they hit QT or Dustin over the head with a with a bag, which usually you think of a bag and there's uh, thumbtacks in it. But the whole time I'm like, where's Brandy? Where is Brandy? Her husband is on a stretcher. You think they're gonna do that? And it was really weird. It was very delayed, it seemed like I said eventually Dustin and QT came out. They get well, they don't even get taken out. They get drug out by the Dark Order who was already attacking them backstage. And then he gets clubbed with the this bag. Brandy comes out and lays herself over top of of Cody. So they won't attack him anymore. At this point, they bring out Anna Jay, who's the only female on the Dark Order. And she grabs Brandy and chokes Brandy out on the stage. He empties the contents of the bag. And it is the old TNT title that has now been destroyed. And he said that he would give it back to Cody when he wins his title. Quick work of uh, of Cody by by Brody Lee, and now the Dark Order finally seems like they have a direction. Brody Lee is now the TNT champion. He has now vindicated himself. Do I agree that it was time to take the belt off of Cody? No, especially on a TV match, but I feel like that was what they were trying to tell you the whole time. If he's going to come out here every single week and defend it on TV, that it wasn't going to need a feud for him to lose this belt. You have to watch every week because anybody at any time could beat him, which I kind of dig. And that's exactly the direction that they ended up going here. So uh, your new champion, like I said, is um, is Brody Lee. So Dynamite will air this Thursday night on TNT starting at 8 o'clock, not Wednesday night. Thursday night, you'll see AEW Dynamite this coming Thursday night. One last thing I really should have talked about, and I found it very interesting, during that AEW broadcast, there was a vignette for the current NWA champion, Thunder Rosa, who's going to be debuting in AEW. But she makes it known that she is coming for Kukaru Shida and the AEW women's title. So I'm assuming at all out in two weeks, we're going to get Thunder Rosa versus Hikaru Shida. Now, we've seen Eddie Kingston. We've seen Brian Pillman Jr. We've seen Ricky Starks. And now Thunder Rosa. Hold on. Well, my beer just exploded all over my uh, myself. So for our final beer, we are now drinking Exploded Red Stripe, a beer I've never had. We're pouring this into my taster. There's beer flowing everywhere. We're gonna quick. Um, we're gonna hit pause for a minute on this recording. We're gonna come right back. I thought the slogan for Red Stripe was supposed to be "Hooray Beer." No, no hooray. Fuck you. Fuck you. God damn it. I got beer everywhere. Uh, but either way, yeah. So now it definitely looks like there's some form of working relationship between the NWA and uh, AEW, which is, you know, it is tremendous. You, 
it seems that since wrestling essentially blew up this past year, which it really has, MLW got television, ROH already had television, Impact got a better deal by being bought by a company, New Japan's doing great, Uh, AEW came to fruition, so many of the companies you want to see having working relationships, and we'll talk about another working relationship that I'm unsure with how it's even going to work up next, but AEW being the number two, willing to work with the NWA is tremendous. Now, we talked about last week, I believe, how the North wants to fight FTR in a series of matches, and Scott Demore from Impact, who's the VP, is all for it, and uh, the ball essentially is in AEW's court. Like, can you imagine if you start getting some of these great cross-promotions, you get the NWA cross-promotion with AEW, you get the AEW uh, Impact cross-promotion. Like, this is... That is the stuff that people are going to want to see. But the problem has always been, for years, this goes back to the territory days, is each company always wants their guy to go over. And that's the problem. So we'll see how that actually uh, works out. This week on Impact's TV was night one of their emergence show. Uh, it started off with the uh, X Division title, Chris Bay defending against Heat Raju, TJP. Uh, I honestly was shocked by the outcome of this match. In the end, where Heat Raju ends up uh, winning and pinning Chris Bay to become the new X Division champion. Did not really see that coming. I kind of figured they were going to give Chris Bay more time as the champion. He only won it at Slammiversary in July. The... um, TNA world title was on the line. Moose versus Trey. Another Moose match. But the point of it was to get to the end. After uh, Moose wins with the lights out spear, EC3 appeared from behind him, took him out, and uh, left with the TNA world title. Now, here's what I want to talk about. This week, Ring of Honor returned to uh, Baltimore. They did a bubble and quarantined everybody there, and then they did tapings. And EC3 debuted at the Ring of Honor tapings this week. So now EC3 is going to be on Impact and Ring of Honor television at the exact same time. So while I don't know if this is part of EC3's deal, or if this is a cross-promotion thing happening... Only time will tell. Uh, But I like it, especially with a main event attraction like EC3. So we'll see where that goes. Obviously, once Ring of Honor starts putting on television again that's new and not highlight videos, I'm going to try and start watching it to tell you the things that you should and shouldn't watch on that hour program that airs each week. So uh, really quick, another really cool spot here. Jimmy Jacobs is in the back with Willie Mack. He gets interrupted by Brian Myers, and Brian Myers pulls Jimmy Jacobs over onto a couch, and they basically recreate the interview segment from 1999 uh, with Jim Ross and Triple H, the, the the famous one where he's in the tight ass black shirt and the, the 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 biker cap, and he that's where he names himself the game. 
And that's kind of what started the main event push for Triple H. And uh, Brian Myers here basically says that he's sick and tired of uh, the fact that major decisions in the business are made by an out-of-touch 70-year-old man and basically says that it's his time. He then gets attacked by Willie Mack going forward. I like Brian Myers as a heel. Obviously, we're spinning off into him in a feud with Willie Mack, which I believe that these two are going to have a match on night two of Emergence next week, and I see Brian Myers winning that and working his way up uh, the main event card. Big fan of that. Ace Austin, Madman Fulton versus the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows, the Big LG, and the Machine Gun, Carl Anderson. Uh, This match was exactly what it needed to be, but in the end, they hit the Magic Killer on Ace Austin for the win, which I'm not a fan of because it kind of kills Ace Austin if you... uh, Ask me, being that he's just coming off fresh of being the number one contender for the world title, not getting a straight world title match, being a part of a six-way for a world title match, not winning that, and now here we are, him getting buried in a tag team match. Kind of felt that they could have done that pin with Madman Fulton, then again, I digress. Kylie Ray versus Taya Valkyrie took place uh, on the Russell House. Okay match. Uh, this was probably the weakest week of Russell House, but I am a big fan of Russell House again, so we'll continue and see what they do on night two. Uh, Kylie Ray uh, won that match, if I didn't already mention that. And finally, the world tag team titles are the Motor City Machine Guns, Chris Sabin, and Alex Shelley defending against the North Ethan Page and Josh Alexander. These two had a great match uh, in the end. Uh, the Machine Guns hit the uh, neckbreaker cross-body combination for the win to retain, which is good. Now the Machine Guns can go off and have feuds with new tag teams uh, as, as their champion. Uh, I really dig that. As for this coming week's uh, night two of Emergence, we are going to see the first ever uh, 30-minute Iron Man women's match. It is going to be Deanna Perrazzo defending against uh, Jordan Grace. Very much looking forward to that because it's two. If there's two ever, if there ever were two wrestlers that could get this done, it's those two, and uh, I'm, I'm excited that they're going to give them that opportunity. Uh, this week. Uh, Eddie Edwards is going to have an open challenge for the world title. I don't expect Eddie Edwards to lose the title there. Again, like I said, Willie Mack taking on uh, the most professional wrestler, Brian Myers. And then we're going to find out an update on the TNA world heavyweight title. Hey, so one last thing that I want to talk about before we get off uh, the air. Uh, Last week, I forgot to talk about how the Tag Team Appreciation Night was where FTR turns heel and how much I loved the involvement of the Rock and Roll Express. Ricky Morton took that spike pile driver like a champ. My goodness. And that really, that move was able to solidify that now FTR are indeed heels. Obviously, they followed it up this week being with Tully Blanchard and being aligned there, but... It was uh, it was well done, and great that they were able to use the rock and roll. Who, uh, while they might look old, they're still bumping machines. 
at their age of what, 60, 61. Uh, so good for them there. And I didn't get a chance to talk about Kamala, James Harris, who passed away um, last week as well. And I felt bad that I forgot about that. I, that was in the top of my notes. And uh, I skipped the top of my notes when I started the news last week. So uh, I have to do better organization of that. But Kamala came really, I first knew of Kamala in 1992 in his feud with The Undertaker. Uh, I was only two or three years old at that point. And the first ever casket match where he was just deathly afraid of the casket. Um, and then one Monday Night Raw started happening. He turned babyface and he was with Slick. And then uh, I didn't know what happened to him. When I was uh, young, I rented WrestleMania 9. Didn't even know that was uh, supposed to be. But there was supposed to be a match with Kamala and King Kong, uh, King Kong Bunny. Bam Bam Bigelow that got cut from the pay-per-view. And they acknowledge it after the show that it was cut. Uh, it might have happened on a Raw after that. I, I, I don't really recall. Uh, but since then, I've gone back and watched so many uh, stuff, so much stuff from the 80s. He moved around territories a lot. And apparently the, the second or third all-time drawing money feud for Hogan was uh, this feud with Kamala from 1986, I believe. So cool stuff there. Uh, you know, he had his moments. He popped in and out of the WWF so many times in the late 80s, early 90s. Eventually, he reemerged as part of the Dungeon of Doom in 1995. He showed up in ECW. He showed up in Impact. So he he got along. He got around, and he was one of those characters that when you saw him, you knew who he was. He was special. Uh, so James Harris, one of a kind, the Kamala character, uh, gone but not forgotten. So next week, we'll be back with another edition of Power Bombs and Potables. We'll watch Thursday Night Dynamite. We'll watch um, Payback. And we'll talk to you next week. Till then, stay safe. Stay over. <laughs>